You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, Heart Family. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to take a second to tell you thank you for tuning into the show every week, for sharing episodes with your friends, for leaving us five-star reviews. P.S. If you haven't done that yet, we'd love you forever if you went and did that now. Okay, anyways, genuinely, you are the reason that we get to do this and you've made doing the show so much fun. So we just want to say thank you before we get into it. But today's episode is something that we did last year and you loved it so much that we are returning. Last year, we recorded a year-end episode where Evie and I broke down our top five favorite books that we read that year. Fiction, nonfiction, all of it. We just, we love it. Um, And so we decided to do that again this year. And if you're new to the podcast or us in general, let me just tell you, Evie and I are obsessed with reading. Like, maybe an unhealthy amount. We love it so much and we always get asked for our favorite book recommendations. So we figured the podcast is a great place to do that. So without further ado, here are Evie and I's top five favorite books that we both read in 2023. Where do you see yourself in five years? Did a little panic just set in? Like, have you ever been asked that dreaded question and thought, oh my gosh, I actually don't know. Us too. We've been in your shoes. When people ask those big questions, it's normal not to know how to answer them, right? But it's a vital question to actually ask yourself, especially as an entrepreneur. It can make or break your business and ensure that you're actually heading in the right direction in life and business. Which is why we've created a resource just for you. It is all about setting goals and how to actually reach them as an entrepreneur. If you want to discuss dreaming big, how to set goals, and then how to actually achieve them, this freebie is just what the doctor prescribed. To download, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash goals. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Oh boy. Welcome. This episode is our uh, one of our other favorite nerd languages. I feel like mine yes. are like time management, productivity, homemaking, sourdough, and I am. Books. Okay, listen, we're going to get <laughs> off on a tangent. I <laughs> no, we can't, we am can't. making sourdough. Evie taught me how to make sourdough. <laughs> and she didn't really teach me how to feed the starter. Uh, that's not true. I taught her. I, I let the world know and the record show that, that I told Lindsay exact specifications yeah, for feeding said, her starter 10 different times. She said one to one to one. And I said, okay. So no, I, I measured said every out, measurement should be one, one, one. So I measured out no. like, you know, 50 grams of starter. Cool. 50 grams of water, 50 grams of flour. I'm on it. It doubled. And then I and then I took all of that starter and it was now like 150 grams or whatever it was. So then I said, okay, 150 grams of sour dough starter, 150 grams of water, no, 150 no. grams of water, or I mean flour. And then I had no more. No one's going to get this unless they bake sourdough. <laughs> and then I had more and then it just kept multiplying. And she's like, you don't use all of she the She got starter. to the point where she was feeding like, like 500 grams. 500 grams of starter because with 500 had- grams of flour and... It was doubling every time. No, you don't do that. So for anyone new to Starter... We should do an episode on baking. That'd be fun. That would... Well, tell us if you want Let that. us know. Send us a DM. Let us know if you want one. Are there any other homemaking... Girlies. Queens. Queens in the audience. 
Anyways, okay, so let's this get is back to reading. Entirely off topic, but I was going to say we both really love reading. Uh, I think Lindsay said that in the intro, but I think both of us read upwards of like between sixty to eighty to a hundred books a year. Like yeah. we read psychotic amounts. a lot. Um, so which today, we have an episode in the past on how we do that. If yeah, you're curious, just type in true. like reading heart and hustle into the Google. How to, I think it's how to be a better reader. Something like the that. The Heart and Hustle podcast. Reader, Search that. Reading. Anyways, Google. Today's episode is really fun, but it was also a little bit hard to kind of narrow it down because at least for me, I was like scrolling through my book list and and we're not even quite at the end of the year and I think I'm at like 67 books or something. And I was like, uh, how do I... How do I narrow down to five? Yes, so these well, are... So, just to be clear, we are recording this on November 7th. So I think I said this in last year's episode. We could get a, a, a book at the latter end of these last two months. Oh, I'm sure. That, There's a couple of that books could that could knock out what our current top five is. But for right now, November 7th, this is what it is. Also, there were so many good books I read this year, but... Th- these are just five of them. Yeah. These are five really good ones that I would definitely recommend. So yeah. let's dive in. Let's get into it. Okay, I'm going to go first. Uh, we each have five. I ordered these in the order from most recent read to least because I was going on my Goodreads from like, you know, yesterday or- you Mine know. is not ordered whatsoever. So <laughs> these are not, this isn't like the absolute number one. I didn't do the mind brain work to, to number them in that way. <laughs> this is just the first, the most frequent that I've finished. Okay, anyways, it is <laughs> M is for Mama, A Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood by Abby Halberstadt. I'm, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her last name. I think it is. We're also going to have her on the show very soon. Secrets. Oh, whoops. I'm just a secret. <laughs> anyways, we love Abby. She's um, awesome. I read that book last year, which is why it's not on my list. Oh, interesting, because I don't think it was in your top five last year. Explain. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, because I feel like it's a, it was really good, and I recommended also, it to read, a lot of my mom friends. read before you have children. Like, look at you. You also read Baby Wise before. I read a lot of motherhood and, and parenting books. Evie is just ahead of the curve in I just figure, shapes prepare. I just didn't do that until <laughs> I was... Okay, anyways. Um, if you want to know what... I'm going to read like the synopsis of this book, um, and then I'll share my thoughts on it. But Mama of 10, Abby Halberstadt, mm, I, mm, okay, I'm just going to move on from that, <laughs> helps women humbly and gracefully rise to the high calling of motherhood without settling for mediocre, wow, how do you say that Mediocrity. word? Mediocrity. Me- thank you. Mediocrity. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Your Mediocrity. Or losing their minds in the process. Motherhood is a challenge. Unfortunately, our worldly culture offers moms little in the way of real help. Mamas only connect to celebrate surviving another day and to share in their misery rather than rejoice in what God has done and to build each other up in hard times. There has to be a better way, a biblical way for mamas to grow and thrive. As a daughter of Christ, you have been called to be more than than an average mama. Attaining excellence doesn't have to be unsettling, but will take committed focus and desire and a desire to to parent well according to God's grace and for his glory. Miss for Mama offers advice, encouragement, and scripturally sound strategies seasoned with a little bit of humor to help you embrace the challenge of biblical, wow, biblical, biblical motherhood and raise your children with love and wisdom. Mama, you are worthy of the awesome responsibility God has given you. Now it's time to start believing that you can live up to it. All right, so that is uh, the synopsis. The reason I love it I think actually you told me to read it. Like I think I did. I see. I told you I recommended it to a lot of people. I know because it's good. Um, I think also we were we were talking. You you recommended it off of I think a conversation where we were watching like viral reels or TikToks of 
what I call like mommy wine culture, which that intro or that that description even kind of hit on it of like the the majority of the way this hits on a kind of a controversial topic, and I feel like the book could be controversial depending on oh who the is, book is definitely controversial who is reading it, yeah. um, because a lot of moms that I think personally this is my opinion that don't have good in person community and feel alone. Because, oh, because and motherhood and is hard. even sometimes a good just mindset around motherhood. Yes. They they like to complain. I mean, I wouldn't even say like to complain. I think they find uh solidarity. Solidarity and comfort in commiserating with other moms that feel alone that and that wanna wanna kind of joke about the at the fact that their kids are ruining their life or not even that dramatic, but like that kids are trolls and that, you know, oh God, I get it, gotta get through another day, get mm-hmm. my glass of wine, put the kids to bed so I can have my mom glass of wine, like that type of thing. Or like, thank God I got a break from my kids. Yeah. And, and like- it's and it's not always even that negative mm-hmm. to be what I would consider mommy wine culture. It's just like that slight tinge of a viewpoint that views kids as burdens. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think you would actively think that when you're making content like this. I think you just are viewing motherhood as a chore. And I think you view it as like relatable content because it is. I mean, I even, I look back at my reels where I was really like going into motherhood content um, before I really switched back into like photography content. And I, even me who loves children, like I, I, to be humoring and likable and funny, I, I hit on some of this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also try to like do it in everything that I create on the motherhood content scale. I definitely try to actively intentionally create content that is uplifting that mm-hmm. that shows children as the blessings that they are. But anyways, that's this book hits on mommy wine culture pretty hard. I mean, the the subtitle is A Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood. And what she means by mediocre, I would say is like, mothering that that is like trying to just get through the day. Mm-hmm. She's calling that mediocre because you're not doing it with excellence, which is controversial when you're, because of the truth of motherhood is hard. And a lot of times moms feel alone and it, it is lonely and it is tiring and you don't get time for yourself. And so all of those things can be true, but kind of her point in the book is like when you focus and dwell on that and only are viewing it from that lens, that starts becoming your reality and, and the way that you're thinking. And so you're naturally subconsciously going to look at your children uh, as burdens, even if you're not intentionally trying to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, she just comes at this topic from a really good biblical perspective. So if you're a believer and a mom, I highly, highly, highly recommend reading this book. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're not a believer, it might piss you off or rub (laughs) you the wrong way. But I, I think it's still, even if you're not a believer, if you want to view your kids as blessings and not fall into that, that camp of always complaining about them and always kind of looking at them as like jokes or like annoyances, then I would, this would be a good, a good challenging read. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it was even challenging for me because it was like, oh, wow, this is eye-opening and really good. So Mm -hmm. I got a lot out of it and I am definitely, I mean, we're going to talk to her soon on the podcast and I'm very excited for that conversation. So good. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, My first book, is again in no specific order whatsoever. Is I will be found by you by Francis Frangipan. Um, what the heck is that last name? I don't know, but that Fr- man Frangipan is that how you say that? I believe so. It's spelled Frangipane, but I believe it's Frangipan. Uh, that is the best last <laughs> name I've ever heard in my life. I have read many of his books, and he is incredible. So go read a lot of them. This one's is really this nonfiction sweet. or fiction? Nonfiction. Okay. Um, let me just read the descriptor and then I'll, I'll give a little bit about it in addition. It says, to seek and find God is everything. 
In his 43 years of seeking after God, Francis Fran Japan has learned one simple and yet essential truth. It is in seeking God that we actually find him. The deliberate movement of our hearts toward God leads us into far more than a simple answer to our need. It leads us straight to him. We discover God to be an ally whose wisdom is all-encompassing and whose power can transform all things with just one look. In I Will Be Found By You, he shares a collection of some of his best writings on the topic, both old and new, to reveal the key to seeking God and possessing a heart after God, the key that unlocks everything important. Mm-hmm. I read this book. I've read this book probably 10 times in my life. Um, I think the first time I read it, I was probably like 12, maybe 13. I don't know. I was young. Evie, ahead of the game. And, uh, <laughs> ahead of us all. Again, once once again. And <laughs> I just, school Evie. I just, <laughs> I just recently uh, found it in my library, like my stack of books, not like my home library, my books. Actually, to be fair, I think I actually found it. My mom had taken it from me and I found it on a trip back with my mom like a year ago. And I was like, I'm taking this back, mom. That's I remember funny. it was so good. And then I just recently, like in the last couple of weeks, again, found it in my stack of books. And I was like, oh, I really want to like, I need a new like Jesus book. I'm going to read this one again. And it is just, it just, it's actually a pretty short read. Um, it's kind of a compilation of like different chapters from other of his fuller books, but it's all on like one topic. So it's almost like a, a compilation book on the topic of like seeking God. Like how and, to seek him? Yeah. Like the the beauty of it, why we do it, how to do it. Mm. Um, it's like a relatively short read. It's a smaller book. It's like, I don't know, like four by three or something or five, six by three. It's like mm. a smaller book and it's not super thick, but it is so packed with wisdom I was reading it one night and Landon like crawled into bed and he was like, do you want to read to me? And and I like, I was like, yeah. And I like went back to chapter one and started reading. He was like, oh my gosh, that is so good. I was like, yeah, it's so rich. That's amazing. So if you're in a season of like, I want to ignite my desire to follow God. I want to hear like scripture and wisdom on seeking him, on prayer, on time with God, on worship, on the why of the heart of the father, like all of those things. This is just such a good book. Francis Frangipan in general is just such a good teacher of the word and of seeking God. But I, I love that one. I highly recommend. Mm. All right. Here's where um, me and Evie are going to differ <laughs> in our our uh, book reading choices. So uh, background knowledge before I tell you that, well, no, here. Okay, now my, my number two is Fourth Wing <laughs> by Rebecca Yaros. Um, it probably is, it? I could be wrong, but I'm going to take a stab at the dark and say without actually researching this, that this is probably, I think, one of the m- most biggest hyped books in fiction this year. You've probably heard of it, mm-hmm. Pro- probably. Uh, it was literally freaking everywhere when it came out. And ironically, the sequel, I think, comes out today. I pre-ordered it, so it probably should be arriving while we record this. What a moment. Okay. <laughs> uh, to give you backstory on this real fast, uh, I had never read fantasy like in my life until this year. And I, w- when I say that, I've read Twilight and I've read like Chronicles of Narnia, so I'm not talking about that. Like the like the classics in fantasy. I, I mean like... I had never dived into like fairies or or like dragon books. I well, no, I might have done that in high school. You're all over the place. I am. The but point like, is, this like was back a new when thing. I back when I read like Twilight. Like I, I would dive into like obviously fantasy worlds or whatever. But like yeah, as an adult reader, I stayed away with from fantasy because I I like usually reading books that I can wrap my hand my hand my mind around. It like it's in this world. It's mm-hmm. in a small town. It's in New York City. Like, whatever. Like, I can grasp it. Mm-hmm. And so I just... There's, like, a mental jump that you ha- your mind has to make when you start reading fantasy where it's like, oh, I... Okay, that thing doesn't exist. There's yeah. a dragon. Or, yeah. you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we Are read you- very different fantasy, though. 
That's true. <laughs> Actually, okay, I don't know if you would hate this. There's a, just a scene of smut that you just skip. No. But I skipped it. So okay. You just, and then it's fine. No. But okay. You, haven't even, you don't even know. You don't okay, even, okay. okay. Anyways, here's what it's about. Enter the brutal and elite world of a war college for dragon riders from the New York Times bestselling author Rebecca Yaros. 23, no, sorry, I can't read. 20-year-old Violet Sorengale was supposed to enter the, wow, I cannot talk. Okay. Enter the squibe quadrant. Wow. <laughs> Guys, this is going downhill. Okay, enter the scribe quadrant, living a quiet life among amongst books and history. Now, the commanding general, also known as her toughest talons mother, has ordered Violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of Nav- Navarre, which is like the land, dragon riders. But when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is brittle, death is only a heartbeat away because dragons don't bond to fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chances of success. The rest would kill her just for being her mother's daughter, like Zayden Ryerson. That's the love interest. Anyways, okay. The most powerful and ruthless wing leader in the writer's quadrant. She'll need every edge her wits can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly, the kingdom's protective wards are failing, and the death toll continues to rise. Even worse, Violet begins to suspect the leadership is hiding a terrible secret. All right. So, oh, just kidding. There's one more. Friends, enemies, lovers. Everyone at Basgeth War College has an agenda because once you enter, there are only two ways out. Graduate or die. Um, Okay. So this is a adult fantasy series. It's the first in like a series. Again, like the sequel comes out today. Um, it's, you've probably heard it everywhere. I really liked it because uh, it it had a, it, for somebody that doesn't like fantasy or, or is new to fantasy, it's very grounded in, in reality, even though it's in a, like a fictional land, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously, it, th- all of these characters don't, I don't believe like have, like magical elements to themselves, like they're humans. I think. Wow, I probably should have came more p- prepared thought wise from this book than I currently am. I don't <laughs> think they have magical powers, but it's like a it's like a war college where you're going through, uh, I guess a college. <laughs> which I am all over the place. People that have read this book are like, "Where are you going with this?" I feel like you should just read the descriptor and end there. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. And I really liked that it was based in in reality for a fantasy book. And it's basically about like these students that are pairing with dragons and the dragons give them like powers that Mm -hmm. like that, that come to be like, I don't know how to describe that. That's, I'm not selling this book very well, but it was very, very good. The descriptor did more than you're doing. (laughs) I think you're good. (laughs) Yeah. It's basically about like a weak little girl (laughs) that, that. Everyone like like thinks that she can't do it, and she can't. She like pairs with like a dragon, and it's like don't give too much away. I'm not. I'm not. It's obviously that's gonna happen. She enters the the dragon rider quadrant or whatever. Yeah, you get it. Um, the rider's quadrant. It's there's a love story in it. There is lots of like intrigue and. Every time I read it, like I I didn't want to put it down. The stakes kept getting higher. Like literally, I loved it because I. That's where you. The stakes, I feel like, are what has fantasy, like, that, that, what fantasy has that normal books don't. When you read, like, just, like, a normal book that's, that's, like, takes place in a small town and it's, like, fiction, you're, like, okay. But, like, when you're reading about somebody who's, like, literally every single day they're, like, trying not to die, the stakes are high, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's really intriguing to read. It goes up and down and, like, I just, every single time I didn't think that the stakes could get higher, they did. All right, I'm done. It was good. I love that. (laughs) 
Okay. Now this is a little bit more my speed. And I told Lindsay when we were outlining the books, uh, I was like, I'm just putting an entire author on here because yeah, that's I, cheating. <laughs> I'm giving you a book of hers that I, that's the one that I started with. Um, but my friend Addison recommended uh, Colleen Coble. So not Colleen Hoover, not Colleen Hoover for me, Colleen Coble. And I have read, I believe last I counted, and I've read a couple since then. Last I counted, I was at like 16 or 17 of her books this year alone. Like I discovered her in this year. And I think and by now binged. I've read like 20 of her books. She has so many out there and all of them are so flipping good. And they're mystery? They're like, yes, they're mystery. They're they're Christian uh, or like she's a believer, um, like suspense mystery, murder mystery. But like Does I Does every am, single one have murder? Or is I it, think is it so. like, is it like Nancy Drew mysteries where the, the mystery that you're solving is like, I lost the stamps. No, no, <laughs> I lost the stamps. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they're like suspense, but at least for me, I am so sensitive when it comes to like, I can't handle a majority of that's like why, murder mystery asked, and suspense. Like, is it, I it's lost really, the stamps. No, no, it really holds my attention. But it's not too dark. But it's not like dark or it doesn't feel like heavy or like horror like yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like most suspense it, it's like really suspenseful without feeling like the whole world is now a dark place in my yeah, mind yeah, yeah. um so that's it's awesome. really it's really good so I started with the in ocean's edge that's the first of one of her series she has many series she has many books she's been writing for like 30 years I don't know how I didn't know of her before this she is one of my favorite authors now in the fiction category I mean of I like, wonder what what gave that away the 16th books in one yeah, year. Yeah, what do you mean? I liked them? I don't know. Um, so I'm going to read the the descriptor for The In Ocean's Edge. Um, but I would also say I've read, you know, obviously like 20 of her books. I start honestly wherever you want. I have one on my Kindle because Evie convinced me. I, I've I been begging yet, her though. for the entire year. Please read these. Please read these. Please read these. It's on my Kindle, locked I'm, and loaded. I'm I can't so proud. undo the airplane mode until I read it. So I, I will. I am so proud. Okay, so let's read the description of The In Ocean's Edge. In 1989, Claire Delamar disappeared from her own fourth birthday party at the Hotel Tourmaline on the island of Folly Shores, Maine. She showed up a year later at the same hotel with a note pinned to her dress, but no explanation. Oh, I'm intrigued. Nobody knows where Claire spent that year. And until now, Claire didn't even know that she had ever been missing. What? Wait, what? But when Claire returns to the Hotel Tourmaline for a business meeting with her CEO father, disturbing memories begin to surface, despite her parents' best effort to keep them forgotten. Luke Grocco lost his mother under equally mysterious circumstances at the same time Claire disappeared. After a chance encounter reveals the unlikely link between them, Claire and Luke set out together to uncover the truth about what happened that fateful year. With flashbacks swimming just beneath her consciousness and a murderer threatening her safety, Claire's life very life depends on unscrambling her past, even if her family refuses to acknowledge it. Someone, maybe everyone, is hiding something from Claire, and it could cost her everything to drag the truth out into the light. Wow. See, now you're intrigued. I know. I want to read really that. It's really good. I, that's not the one I have on my Kindle. because Which it's one the, do you have on your Kindle? I don't know. It's The Break of Day or Dark. Oh, those are Edge that's of Darkness. Good. I don't even that's know. That's good. That's the Rock Harbor series. That's really good. Okay. Is it as good as that? That's They're I'm intrigued really by good. the note thing. She doesn't even know that she's been gone that one. That one was, that was the first one I read. All of them are so good. She's so good with her twists. And like, at least for me, I, I, I'm always I'm wrong on who the, who the person is. I'm, I need... Has do you know somebody else who's read her that reads normal thrillers? Mm, no, mm, the only other person I know who reads her is Addison, and okay, so no. we're in the same vein. Okay, great. So <laughs> I will be the deciding factor. Okay, yes, please tell. I probably I feel I feel like I'd have to read a couple of her books though to to see if I it's a theme like 
Yeah. Well, I'll just read it. Okay. Some of them are, some of them, one of them, I was like, <laughs> like reading it. Like it was a little, it was a little I'm scary. curious if I won't be like that if I read normal, like yeah, mystery books. Maybe not. That, but that's intriguing. It's very intriguing. Okay. That's exciting. <laughs> well, it's on my TBR. Great. All right. Number three. Oh yeah. yeah. Number three for me is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Um, this is a nonfiction book. It's written by a pastor. You probably have heard of John Mark Comer. Uh, I've read a couple of his books, and he's very, very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's the synopsis, and then I'll share my thoughts. Who am I becoming? That was the question nagging pastor and author John Mark Comer. Outwardly, he appeared successful, but inwardly, things weren't pretty. So he turned to a trusted mentor for guidance and heard these words. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. It wasn't the response he expected, but it was and continues to be the answer he needs. Too often, we treat the symptoms of toxicity in our modern world instead of trying to pinpoint the cause. A growing number of voices are pointing at hurry or busyness as a root of much evil. Within the pages of this book, you'll find a fascinating roadmap to staying emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. Is your workflow for your clients all over the freaking place? Is stuff falling through the cracks and you feel so overwhelmed trying to stay on top of client communication? Don't worry, we have all been there. If that is you, you have to hear about the best investment we have ever made into our businesses. HoneyBook, a client relationship management software. It is an all-in-one project management tool that is designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. When I tell you it streamlines everything and gives me my life back, I am not kidding. Integrated inquiry forms, client workflow and automations, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. They also have templates, brand customization abilities, and an app so you can send invoices and emails while you're on the go. HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline everything for an excellent client experience directly from your fingertips. So you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can get back to living your life instead. We promise HoneyBook will revolutionize your business the way it has ours. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners, 35% off the first two years. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart, or you can check out the link in our show notes. Hello, I wanted to interrupt this episode really quick to remind you that we have an apparel shop with heart-filled pieces, (laughs) see what we did there, that we have designed with you in mind. In the shop, we've got t-shirts, crop tops, sweatshirts, mugs, hats, and more, all created with comfy and cute designs that you can rock in your everyday life. This collection is for you if you love the show and want to share it with your friends in a cool way, or if you want to wear something cute as heck that was intentionally designed with powerful phrases to remind you that you can do it. You were made to be a world changer and that the Lord created you wildly capable of big freaking things. Now, obviously this is a podcast and we can't show you how cute as heck these pieces are on the show. So run, don't walk to the heart shop to check out our apparel and more. You can head to www.theheartuniversity.com forward slash apparel to grab your favorite pieces today. Okay, the book is written very, very, very conversationally. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I rated it four or 4.5 stars purely because it's like so casual that I was like, whoa. And I think that's just his writing style. Mm-hmm. Although I've read, a, I've read a book before, like two years ago from him that wasn't this casual. It's very, very casual. So, but a lot of people like that. Um, but the content in this book is genuinely life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read it? Yeah, I read it a couple How years ago. I, all of my favorites, you were like, I've been there, I've read that. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's fine. I feel like I talk to you about the books I love, so it's not like I hide them from you. I feel like we just I don't read know, different. I didn't know that sometimes. you read this one. 
Oh yeah, I read it a couple of years ago. That's great. Okay, anyways, it's it's very life-changing. I will say it, he gives a lot of practical, like actual, uh, tangible advice and tips on genuinely how to slow down in your life, how to like eliminate like the constant feel and need of busyness mm-hmm. or like, oh my gosh, I'm rushing, rushing, rushing through life. Um, and And I think a book like that has to be paired with practical tips because otherwise it's like, okay, well, I understand that I'm busy. How do I how do I stop that? How do I like learn to say no? How do I learn to set up boundaries? How do I slow down, like practically slow down? Um, and I think he, he talks about a lot of things like Sabbath and and just practical ways to slow down. But I remember towards the end of the book, there's there's a moment where he like has, I think like 20 like practical ways to slow down in a row in one of the chapters. And he gives moments where it's like, um, next time you drive, drive the actual speed limit. Like that was one mm-hmm. of the one of the things. And it's like, why do we always, without fail, we just drive like five or 10 over. Like yeah. that, like as if it's that's like, the it's law. Like we have to go more. Right. It's because we have this in, innate need in us to be like, oh, I have to get there faster. Even if I'm perfectly on time, mm-hmm. even if I've left in the time like that will allow me to be early, I still like drive over the speed limit. He's like, when was the last time you actually drove under the speed limit or at the speed limit? Yeah. And that's just obviously one example of like oh, a practical way to slow down. He talks about like, I'm pretty sure, I'm not making this up. I think he talks about this in the book. I've read this in like May, so I'm having a bit of a mental jump to remember this, but pretty sure he said, don't own a television. And I was like, ayo, because <laughs> uh, I can definitely agree with that. It's like, hey, if you're eliminating this feel of busyness or this sense of hurrying or this sense of just like, I have so much like going on in my life that I need to just eliminate whether it's eliminate like events or eliminate just things of like the noise that kind of we let into our life, um, TV and movies and, and television and all of that is a is a big way that you can eliminate that. And so those are obviously just two examples. Uh, I, I would highly recommend this to believers, but even non-believers could get yeah. so much out of this book. Um, it is it is genuinely life life changing, um, and it's very very good. So yeah, I and feel it's like it's a, a really quick read. I feel I was gonna say I feel like it's a really easy quick read because of the conversational style, but yeah. it's so jam packed with information. It's like so convicting. It's so inspiring. Yep. It's like a really good. I I love it. It's a good yeah. one. Okay, my third book is fiction, uh, back to fiction, and it's Once Upon a Wardrobe by Pally, Patty Callahan. I have read a book from her. Is it Becoming Mrs. Yes. Lewis? Yes, okay, I read that last year. Okay, that's next on my list. Don't tell me anything. I will not. It's okay. good. Okay, I know, I've heard it's really good. It wasn't available, and this one came available first, and so I listened to it. it okay. was, I listened on audiobook. The narrator of this on audiobook was so good. Wait, like, does she, is this about C.S. Lewis? Does she only yes. focus on stories that surround C.S. Lewis? Um, because that's what Mrs. Becoming Mrs. Yes, Lewis is yeah. about. I don't know. I know these two are. Interesting. I don't don't know others. Patty. Okay. Okay. So let's give the descriptor and then I'll, I'll share. Meg's Devonshire is a brilliant, is brilliant with numbers and equations on a scholarship at Oxford and dreams of solving the greatest mysteries of physics. She, oh my goodness. Now it's, you, it's contagious. You gave it it to me. Okay. She prefers the dependability of facts, except for one. The younger brother she loves with all her heart doesn't have long to live. When George becomes captivated by a copy of a brand new book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and begs her to find out where Narnia came from, there's no way she can refuse. Despite her timidity about approaching the famous author, Meg soon finds herself taking tea with the Oxford, uh, Don? What? With, with I, that means C.S. Lewis. With C.S. Lewis, what, yeah. With Jack um, and his own brother, imploring them for answers. What she receives instead are more stories, stories of Jack Lewis's life, which she takes home to George. Um, that's very similar to. It's like a, it's like fiction that's based on reality, mm-hmm. 
it's like it's like it's like fan fiction of C.S. Lewis's life. Yeah, it, is it really is. is. But there's a story around it. It's all it's it was so good. Is it fiction? Yeah, it's, but it's fiction. But the the stories from C.S. Lewis's life were based and kind of expanded on actual truth of his life. Because I think he's Patty written, Callahan has a thing for C.S. Lewis. I'm starting to think. I mean. That, Not like a thing like that, but like she like writes around this man. I feel like I could be so wrong, but I I feel like there was something where she had some sort of connection to C.S. Lewis, and that's why she writes about him. Is she, how old is she? I when did he know. die? I don't know. I'm probably pulling that out of nowhere. <laughs> I want to look this up. Hang on. Okay, after a quick Google search, she definitely writes much more than just C.S. Lewis, but I think those are her two, her two books on C.S. Lewis. Oh, well, the irony. Yeah. That we've I think them. those are, at least Becoming Mrs. Lewis, I know is one of her most popular, but then uh, Surviving Savannah is a true story of the steamship Pulaski wreck known as the Titanic of the South. So oh. there's, there's others. So she takes things that happen in real life and writes fiction around them, apparently. That's cool. We love that for Patty Anyways, Callahan. it was a really, it was a really good book. Um, it was the narrator, especially on the audiobook, was so good. Um, I love C.S. Lewis. I love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I have read, I think, almost almost every single book C.S. Lewis has ever written, and he's written so many, mm-hmm. um, including his own audio autobiographies and like different things. And uh, it was really cool to kind of see and hear about his life and kind of hear a fictional account of what it would have been like to meet him, to Oh, you take definitely tea. need like, to read Becoming Mrs. Lewis. I know, though. I know. I'm so excited. It's on my holds right now in the library. Anyways, it's really good. It's I, It was a good fiction, especially I feel like a, like a lighthearted one that doesn't necessarily... But I also cried at the end. I don't know. It was, it was just a good book. I'll just leave it there. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, my fourth one is a series because I don't know how to pick... Us, but well, we'll get into it. It's Akatar by Sarah J. Mass. Okay. Can you can you give the non Yes. A Court of Thorns and Roses is the first book. So it's called the Akatar series. Cause there's like Akatar, Akamoth. Like it's it's like they make a like a what's that called? A shortening version of the you get it, of the title. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to read the synopsis for the first one and then we'll talk about it. Right. When 19-year-old Huntress, Feyre, kills a wolf in the woods, a terrifying creature arrives to demand retribution. Dragged to a treacherous, magical land she knows nothing about, only from legends, Feyre discovers that her captor is not truly a beast, but one of the lethal, immortal fairies who once ruled her, her world. At least, he's not a beast all the time. As she adapts to her new home, her feelings for the fairy, Tamlin, transform from icy hostility into a fiery passion that burns through every lie she's been told. Sorry, oh, I can't gosh. say that with a straight face. Uh, burns through every lie she's been told about the beauty beautiful, dangerous world of the Fae. But something is not right in the Fairylands. An ancient, wicked shadow is growing, and Feyre must find a way to stop it or doom Tamlin and his world forever. From best-selling author Sarah J. Mass comes, okay, you, you, that we don't need to A write. seductive, <laughs> breathtaking book that blends romance, adventure, and fairy lore into an unforgettable read. Okay, well, <laughs> she just finished that. Um, okay, so that's the synopsis for the first one. The first book is a, a spinoff of Beauty and the Beast, if you couldn't tell from just that description. It's, 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 it's not exactly Beauty and the Beast, but it's very, very close. Um, where basically Feyre is like Belle and she is forced to go to like a beast's home and then they fall in love, right? So that's Beauty and the Beast. Um, that's, it's Beauty and the Beast. It's not like every book in this series is another like romance, Disney Disney movie. princess. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's just this one. Um, and I would say that this was not even my favorite book of the series. I think the my favorite book of the series is the second one, which is Echo Moth, which is A Court of Mist and Fury. Um, again, this is uh, this was the year that I dived into fantasy uh, for the first time. And when this has a lot of, I, I, I 
I went trepidedly. Is that a word? Trepidly? No. Timidly? No. Trepidatiously. No? I went with trepidation. Sure. <laughs> I went into this cautiously. Um, <laughs> I'll just switch the word. Uh, because I had heard a lot of like buzz of this series that it was just like smutty fairy trash. Um the the one of the books in it is what that is what I would consider but but for the most part the, at least the first 3 to 4 books um in my opinion like the the sex scenes are very 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 skippable um and in the first one specifically it's like literally one scene in my opinion that like has that and you can easily skip over it if that's your jam which that's my jam I don't like to read that and so But it was highly recommended for, again, someone who hasn't um, dived into fantasy like a lot. If you want a fantasy that's kind of easier to read and it's not like a ton of of, like kingdom fairy politics, because that's where my like my brain just like takes a while to like understand like the politics of a world that doesn't exist. Um, So this was a really good read. It's it's also I would recommend it for anybody that likes romance because it combines like politics of of like a fairy kingdom that doesn't exist with romance so it and again the first one is is basically a retelling of beauty and the beast so it's it's a little bit more grounded in something that you can understand a little bit easier um but once you read the first book you if you like it at all you kind of have to keep going because I can't even say why you have to keep going. Um, our podcast manager, Allie, read this and I would like, she read it or she started it when we were at the Palm Springs Heart Workshop this spring. No, this summer. Um, and like literally every two seconds, I was like, I was like, you have to keep going. You have to like, I was like, tell me what, tell me where you are. Tell me where you are. Cause it's one of those books that if you get a friend to read it, you have to like understand what you want to experience their reaction. Yes, because there is, there's just huge, huge plot uh, twists that happen throughout the entire series. Um, and it's very good. I'll leave it at that. All right. Let's dive into my fourth book, another fiction book. So three, three of my five are fiction. I've been on a fiction kick lately. Um, in case you couldn't tell Wait, by the three, 20. Three of my five are fiction too. Twins. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was going to say, I've been on a fiction kick if you can't tell by the 20 Colin Coble books I've read this year. hysterical. <laughs> okay. This one is The Last Bookshop in London by Madeline Martin. Oh, this book made me weep at the end. I was literally, I listened to it on audiobook as well. And I was driving and Lane and I were on a road trip. And at the end of the book, we got to the end and I was listening to it. And <laughs> and I was like, oh, like in the car, he's like, are you okay? I was like, no, it's so good. Like it was so good. That's funny. So I'll read the synopsis. Um, but if you love World War II fiction, but please go read this book. Um, all of Madeline Martin's books are so good. Uh, Inspired by the true World War II history of the few bookshops to survive the Blitz, the last bookshop in London is a timeless story of wartime loss, love, and the enduring power of literature. August 1939, London prepares for war as Hitler's forces sweep across Europe. Grace Bennett has always dreamed of moving to the city, but the bunkers and blackout curtains that she finds on her arrival were not what she expected, and she certainly never imagined she'd wind up working at Primrose Hill, a dusty old bookshop nestled in the heart of London. Through blackouts and air raids as the Blitz intensifies, Grace discovers the power of storytelling to unite her community in ways she never dreamed, a force that triumphs over even the darkest nights of the war. I feel like that synopsis, it is so good. It's World War II fiction. It is so good. Histor- historical fiction. It is so good. And the la- the, the end of the book, weeping tears. Yes. So in the best way, not even like, it's like, just so good. It was so good. Have you read, I think I've asked you this, have you read The Nightingale? Yes. Oh, you have? Yes. Oh, have you read uh, 
the All book, the Light the, We Cannot See? No, I, oh. I haven't read that one. Have okay. you read that one? No, it's on my list. Okay, it's on my list. <laughs> Have you read The Book of Lost Names? No, that's also on my list. <laughs> but I heard that one's really sad. No. It ends really? for a World War II book, which you would think all of them end sad. For a World War II book. <laughs> There's Redemption? Yes. Okay. There, there, you will like it. Okay. It's on I, my list. I hope I'm remembering it correctly. <laughs> You're going to lead me astray. I Weeping read it in tears. early 2022, so it's been almost two years since okay. I read that one. But That's also on my list. You need to read it. It's good. I love it. It's happy tears at the end. Oh, is that all you had? Yeah. I feel like it's it's, it's a really good book. Read it. Okay, great. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. My fifth and final one is Better Than the Movies by Lynn Painter. This was, ironically, the first book I read in 2023. Very first one. And it is up there because I went through my Goodreads and I was like, oh, this was in 2023? It's on the list because it was so good. It is a young adult romance. So if you are a girly pop that loves, <laughs> like, uh, high school romance, but like so, like so like childhood friends to lovers— then yes, yes, this is it. Okay, let me read the <laughs> description. All right. Perpetual daydreamer Liz Boxbaum gave her heart to Michael a long time ago, but her cool, aloof, forever crush never really saw her before he moved away. Now that he's back in town, Liz will do whatever it takes to get on his radar and maybe snag him as a prom date, even befriend West Bennett. This annoyingly attractive next-door neighbor might seem like a prime candidate for romantic comedy fantasies, but Wes has only been a pain in Liz's butt since they were kids. Pranks involving frogs and decapitated lawn gnomes do not a potential boyfriend make. Yet somehow, Wes and Michael are hitting it off, which means Wes is Liz's in. But as Liz and Wes scheme to get Liz noticed by Michael so she can have her magical prom moment, she's shocked to discover that she likes being around Wes. And as they just, as they continue to grow closer, she must re-examine everything she thought she knew about love and rethink her own ideas of what happily ever after should look like. Listen, you just heard that. You know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> like, you know exactly what's going to happen. This is not even a spoiler that it's very, like, Liz has eyes for this dude, Michael, and she wants to date him. So, she ropes Wes, her, like, neighbor friend nemesis from childhood to basically, con like, make—it's it, like that typical, like, basically make her over to be, like, Michael's dream girl because he's friends with mm -hmm. Michael. Wes is friends with Michael. So as Wes helps Liz be Michael's dream girl, you get it. Like, they're gonna— <laughs> It, and you you get it. You get it, guys. You know what's happening. It's oh it's gosh. not a book that you go in and it's like, what's going to happen? No, you know exactly what's going to happen. But every moment of the way is so entertaining. Lynn Painter does really, really just, she writes young adult uh, romance books, but also adult romance books. And I always prefer her young adult to her adult because she just has a way when when there's no like smut or sex involved with with what she would include in like an adult romance, she has a way with the young adult to just like, write the the romance vibes in a way that is like you just believe it because it's not just like you're relying on like steamy scenes to like sell it it's like no it's it's just so pure and so happy and so quirky she's a very quirky writer um and this is genuinely just like I loved every minute of of reading this book and it was so fun and so cute and it just reminded me of like uh I think actually at the beginning of of each um because it's called better than the movies every the beginning of every chapter has like a a scene or like a like a lyric or maybe it's a quote I don't know from like a classic rom-com movie um like how to lose a guy in 10 days like S sweet 16 or like whatever that one from the 80s is called and it's just so cute and and fun and I loved it all right that's it I love it <laughs> <laughs> we we differ on our book choices and I love it Okay, uh, my last one is Sacred Marriage by oh, Gary I have Thomas. Oh, I've read this one. 
This is long time ago, but I've read it. It's so good. Um, this is a nonfiction. This is a uh, biblical marriage book, and it is so good. I'm not finished with it now. I'm over halfway and I'll finish it by the end of the year. And it is so convicting and so good. So the description is happy is good. Holy is better. Your marriage is more than a sacred covenant with another person. It is a spiritual discipline designed to help you know God better, trust him more fully and love him more deeply. What if God's primary intent for your marriage isn't to make you happy, but holy? Mm. Sacred marriage doesn't just offer techniques to make a marriage happier. It does contain practical tools. But what married Christians most need is help in becoming holier husbands and wives. Sacred marriage offers that help with insights from scripture, church history, time-tested wisdom from Christian classics, and examples from today's marriages. Sacred marriage reveals how marriage trains us to love God and others well, how it exposes sin and makes us more aware of God's presence, how good marriages foster good prayer, how married sex feeds the spiritual life, and more. Sacred Marriage uncovers the mystery of God's overarching purpose. This book may very well alter profoundly the contours of your marriage. It will most certainly change you, because whether it is delightful or difficult, your marriage can become a doorway to a closer walk with God and to a spiritual integrity that, like salt, seasons the world around you with the savor of Christ. Mm. It is so good. It is so convicting. Mm -hmm. It is very challenging and yet also really, I don't know, encouraging and inspiring and like kind of shifts your focus because— I feel like in marriage in general, it's so easy to kind of be focused on like, oh, us. Yeah. And it, like, at least for me in our marriage, 99% of the time is because it's like so good. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's just so wonderful. I'm so happy. Like we just get along so well. We communicate so well, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, is that actually pulling me away from God? Is this actually like refining me? Like it was, it was just really convicting. And then I feel like in the seasons too, where you're like really frustrated and you're like, oh my gosh, this other person, we're like meshing lives. It's like, oh my gosh, this is training me. This is a, this is an opportunity. It's yeah. just like, it's so good. It's so rich. So if you are a believer, and you, you know, have a desire to just learn and, you know, improve and grow in your marriage, 10 out of 10 recommend. Mm. I read it, I think, on year one of marriage, which was seven years ago. So I definitely need to reread it because I don't remember hardly anything, but I do remember it being very good yeah. and very convicting. Yeah. But I I'm curious what I would think of it or how I would, it would be so different of a read first from like, you're one of marriage Isn't to like cool? you're seven. Isn't it so cool how you can read the same book? Like the, the Francis Frangipan book that I'm put on the top of my list. I read that when I was 12. Yeah. And now I'm reading it at like, you know, 14 years later. And it's just like completely mm -hmm. different seasons. And the book hit in both seasons. Like it's just, it's so in cool. different ways. Yeah, totally different ways. Oh, I love it. Well, once again, we have some, some nice, um, Pure holy books from Eloise. Eloise. <laughs> I'm not your daughter. It's <laughs> not your daughter. <laughs> what I was going to say was some nice pure books from El uh, Evie. I almost did it again. Um, and some some maybe not so pure ones from me. No, just kidding. Uh, we had a whole conversation. We had such good stuff. We had a whole conversation the other like month. Uh, the other month. We were sitting in a hot tub. With, it was a group of us girls, uh, like our girl gang. Uh -huh. And we were talking about different convictions on book. And it was, it was so fun because it was mm -hmm. so cool to hear how like... I wouldn't touch some of the books Lindsay reads, but Lindsay is like totally okay with it because she like, it's just like so cool how, I don't know, people are just different. And like, yeah. I feel like it's really fun doing these book episodes too because we bring totally different books and different Well, like, we give a little spice for every single person that wants every single genre that yeah, you Yeah, we cover all the genres from, kind of. from marriage to fiction to motherhood to- uh, Self-help. Yeah, everything. To fantasy, to romance, to teen. No, what's that called? Young adult? Young adult, thank you. Everything. 
every, we got a little bit of everything for you. So hopefully uh, you love these episodes. If you want us to continue to, well, words, continue doing this every year, let us know. Um, I think we're probably going to because we love books. <laughs> yeah, we, we love books, but it's also like, because we like felt like recording this at the end of the year. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a wrap up of like, hey, what were the top books that I read this year that I really enjoyed? Yeah. Um, let us know if you like these and we will keep doing them. All right, friend, go enjoy your reading and let us know if you read any of these, what you think. Send us a DM. We love chatting all things books. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, keep listening to the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode.